2: New test ground, new test opener, new test era. England keep New Zealand two chevrons apart as they rediscover the joys of life in the slow lane. Australia huff and puff and blow Pakistan's top order down. Asad Shafiq is the only brick in the house of straw. And India is gripped by pink ball fever, considers making an urgent appointment at the specialist clinic, then remembers, it's all okay, it's just day-night test cricket. This is the Gorilla Cricket Podcast. Great. Welcome back to the Gorilla Cricket Podcast, the weekly podcast from the world's leading independent cricket commentary provider, Gorilla Cricket. That's right, we had a little mid-series hiatus, but we're back and we're recording on the evening of Thursday, the 21st of, of November, 2019, on a glorious day for Test Cricket. Day two of the first New Zealand versus England test in Monganui, and day two of the first Australia versus Pakistan test in Brisbane are imminent. And in less than 12 hours, a new day-night dawns falls on Indian test cricket. India and Bangladesh are soon to start the first floodlit test on Indian soil at Kolkata's historic Eden Gardens. It's a veritable long-form smorgasbord, and we're as happy as happy can be to be tucking into all of it. I'm your host, Knuckle Pandey, and I'm joined in the GC studio by the host of the Broken Wicket podcast, Tim Part. Hello. And someone who spent a medically inadvisable amount of time in this building, Tony Bishop. <laughs> I've almost got pink ball fever, I think, Knuckle. That's <laughs> quite worrying. He's the only man to ever haunt I, a building I, while still alive. I blame what
1: other creatures inhabit that bed. There. Yeah. I'm sure it's not just me. Yeah, Tony's been uh,
2: working a night shift, a day shift, and a night shift uh, here on the Good Ship Gorilla. Uh, so uh, let's go uh, around the grounds before we get into the uh, nitty gritty. Uh, the game we're, of course, covering at uh, the Bay Oval in Mount Monganui on the east coast of New Zealand, England 241 for 4 after uh, day 1. 74 for Joe Denley, 52 for Rory Burns, 67 not out for Ben Stokes, and a promising ish 22 for Dom Sibley. Ollie Pope has looked bright and breezy on 18. Uh, Joe Root, shite and wheezy on 2 off 22. <laughs> Uh, Pakistan oh it started so promisingly for Pakistan uh, they were seventy five for no loss uh, just after lunch, but then uh lost uh what is that four wickets for three runs uh in the space of uh less than seven overs to be reduced to seventy eight for four There was a little bit of uh resistance uh, well it was quite a, a lot, quite a lot of resistance actually from Asad Shafiq who was the ninth man out but uh, uh, Mitchell Stark did his clean up the tail Mitchell Stark thing finishing with four for uh, Cummins three Hazelwood two Lion one uh, Pakistan 240 all out uh, and uh, India Bangladesh uh, obviously India with a lead of 1-0 in the series having beaten Bangladesh by an innings and 130 runs in Indore, uh start their first ever day night test and Bangladesh's first ever day night test Uh, tomorrow morning uh, UK time but uh, let's dive into uh, events up there on the east coast just near uh, Tauranga Um, I guess the first thing we should talk about is the pitch
1: Uh, it seems a tad slow Um, there's certainly been movement in the air and I think we've seen that from all New Zealand bowlers including very much Wagner actually who seem to get a fair bit of movement in the air as well as you know a bit of extra bounce but the The bounce seems a bit tennis ball y, the ball's not coming onto the bat. Um, And I think, you know, whilst England have looked to deliberately go back to the traditional values of patiently building an innings, I think at the same time they've sort of had to because the (laughs) the wicket has also kind of pushed them that way. So perhaps everyone's, you know, everyone was looking at um, Denley on 40 for probably, you know, an eon. Um, but, but but the reason probably was that the balls weren't there to hit, A, because New Zealand were bowling very well, B, the ball wasn't coming in onto the bat to al- allow him to hit the ball. So it's almost as though England's new direction was kind
2: of amplified by the difficulty of the track or, or the slowness of the track. That's a pretty accurate summation. I mean, we, we hmm. saw pretty much all of England's batters, apart from Arlie Pope, have a fairly long period of scorelessness. Uh, Dom Sibley got off the mark. Uh, with a four and then went 17 balls before hitting his next scoring shot. Uh, ben Stokes uh, had that thing for a little while. Uh, Joe Denley was stuck in the 40s like the, the marooned ship in the rhyme of the Ancient Mariner, uh, practically shooting albatrosses to try and uh, get him to his 50. Um, but they all came through that spell, as did Rory Burns, the exception being Joe Root, who, uh, having got off the mark after 20 scoreless balls, uh, gave it away in, uh, frankly, comical fashion. But... This is. It strikes me as this is the kind of pitch where England might have, in previous years or perhaps in less confident mode, got themselves into quite a bit of trouble.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's, I think it's a good pitch to test new new faces on. Uh, you know, rather than just putting them on a on a flat track and you know saying, can you score huge runs because that's what's expected of you. You know, a bit a bit of a test of character. And actually, I, you know, in keeping with the the, the environment of the game more generally, you know, having a pitch that's a bit testing, you know, we've been, had, you know, the World Cup, which was high-octane stuff, then we had the Ashes, which was high-octane stuff, and now, you know, it's just nice to have a really sedate day of proper old-fashioned test cricket. Bit testing, you know, um, you could, you know, ebbs and flows, uh, and I actually found that quite refreshing. Um,
1: an intriguing battle. But I think the interesting, th- I, you're, you're, you're absolutely right, and there is this sort of sense that, you know, remember back in the early 80s, they used to call New Zealand the Sex and Drugs and Rock and Roll Tour <laughs> because basically they felt it was during the middle of the night and no one was really watching it. So the England players could get away with whatever they wanted oh, and, yeah, yeah. and often did. But but I, but, I don't think that's true now. And, and, and it's sort of playing that you're, you're a little bit maybe playing up to the cliche there. I think it would mm. be interesting if you took Australia and England and you put them on the same deck, would it necessarily have been a very different game? And I'm not sure it would. Because you know Australia have quick bowlers who can swing the ball. Um, I, I, you know I'd, I'd st- stack Southie and Bolt um, up against uh, probably Cummins and Stark uh, most days of the week, to be honest. Um, so i I'm not sure that it's just about New Zealand being the opposition I, I genuinely think it was the conditions and the day yeah, yeah, yeah they kind yeah. of drove it that way if you know well, what absolutely. one would
2: think that New Zealand's top order would have batted in similar manner Gith Rubble and Tom Latham are both uh, crease occupiers they both look to to do a lot of work at the top of the innings facing a lot of deliveries wearing down the bowler so they can score freely later and that's something that um Dominic Sibley has has done very well in his in his first-class career, certainly since since moving to Warwickshire, um, that that would have been a real uh, sickener for him, just um, being drawn into a half drive to a, a gentle outswinger from Colin de Grondon.
1: Yeah, he he did sort of just—it was a half-hearted drive, wasn't it? He just fished for it a little bit, and um, a lot of good work was undone. I'm sure he'll he'll still be kicking himself. The, the trick now for England, I think, and what will make—well, by the time. You listen to this podcast it will have already happened of course but (laughs) but what will make what we're about to see in an hour or so's time really interesting is that England middle order which is stacked full of runs and was really starting to get on top of the old ball wasn't it um it's the classic case if if two quick wickets were to go down with a still comparatively new ball early doors um it'll look a different game again so so England if England go hard from the off and lose wickets I'm not sure that's going to be the right solution I think they're has to be a little bit of re-establishing of the foundation before they before they start to try and get after the bowling two three quick wickets this morning England all out for 320 and that's gonna feel like uh, a win for New Zealand and they're mm, eminently mm, capable mm. of chasing that sort of total
2: I mean they they did lose a wicket to the second new ball but they also scored uh, 43 runs in the 10 overs that, um, that they faced against it not least through four fours in a row from Ben Stokes albeit one of them via via a drop catch but um but we should talk about Ben Stokes because he looked a class above again.
0: Oh, absolutely. Yeah, uh, I mean, you know, unruffled in a way uh, that any other batsman wasn't. I mean, you know, the, people like Burns and going through their, their dry patch, as he said, in their innings, you know, really had to grind it out. But Stokes just, you know, m- for once a model of calm serenity. And, you know, I think that's probably what's come from what he's gone through in the summer. You know, um, having to take great amounts of responsibility on um Uh, in the various situations we've seen him in. Uh, And, yeah, it was was outstanding innings.
2: It really was. Just uh, so many... Whatever was asked of him, whether it was leaving the ball outside off stump as the New Zealand Bowls were pitching it up or uh, knocking singles around, which England got really just stuck for a little while uh, just before tea in particular. Um, Sorry, just before lunch, in fact. And then again, uh, just sort of halfway through the second session where they were going crawling along at a run and over uh, for periods, but Stokes just started dropping the ball short and taking quick singles, nudging the ball into gaps and suddenly it just got that little bit easier. Denley hit a couple of boundaries and suddenly England's innings, which had threatened to sort of crawl to a standstill, uh, got going again. And then he took advantage when New Zealand's bowlers tired tied a bit.
1: Well, there was a period where New Zealand themselves went very defensive in their bowling. I mean, Wagner went through a period of about five or six overs where he was putting everything about a foot and a half wide mm. of off-stump. So 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 too wide to cut and drive uh,
2: because it was too wide to reach, but, And, and but with not d- wide, wide And with know? a deep point, just in case there was yeah. a, someone did manage to get bat on ball. So, so,
1: so there was a point at which they felt that they would get it going nowhere and they, they were in sort of waiting for a new ball mode. Um, so it all went rather quiet then for a little while. But as you say, then they started to get on top of it again.
0: Yeah, Although well, that said, you know, England during the Ashes had got a lot of flack um, because... Uh, well, you know, the argument went, we can't bat time in Test cricket because we've spent the last couple of years learning how to hit a white ball into the stands. And, you know, whatever you think about the merits of that argument as valid criticism or not, it's nice to see. I know the personnel's slightly different, but it's nice to see an England team
1: managing to play old fashioned grind it out Test cricket. Well, the, tr- the, the secret now is one of those batsmen in that middle order, um, you know, one is well set, one is on his way to being well set. Mm. Uh, go on and get a big score. I mean, it, it, it was frustrating for Burns that he hit 50 and then was out. It was frustrating yeah. for Denley, who battled and battled and battled. And it was it was ugly and um, patient and, I, I, in equal measure. And then got himself into 70s. And you think, right, here you go. This is it. You know, Get past that 94. It's going to happen for you now. And it didn't. He went. So so. someone, you know, if, if, if one of the... If, if Stokes stays there, mm. you have a strong feeling that the middle order will stick around enough with him to push England to 450 and upwards. And then that that's a really strong competitive total. If Stokes doesn't stay there, then I do worry that, you know, they might lapse back into old mentality a wee bit. And that's, well, let's hope they well, don't. well,
2: then we're in to uh, help us, Sam Curran, you're our yeah. only hope mode uh, <laughs> yeah. again. Uh, well, you still have Pope there. Yeah, well, of yeah. course. Uh, you know, Pope and, of course, Josh Butler, mm. who um, batted, I think, very well at times during the Ashes um uh, and I think was probably unfair. Hmm. Well, I was—I've yeah. been making the case throughout the summer that he's been unfairly maligned as a as a test cricketer. But uh, Stokes will score quicker as the uh, as he gets set again. He will try and get himself set again. Uh, I don't have much doubt about that. It's hard to see New, new Zealand um, not improving with the, with the new ball. I thought they were okay with the second new ball and a bit a bit wasteful really with the first new ball, short and wide, as though they hadn't quite summed up what the pitch was. Uh, gonna be doing um, Tim Southie did get his wicket but I thought was bowled considerably worse than Trent Bolt who has um, worse figures than him but um, Soaks showed the um, as the bowl is tired a little bit and as maybe the pitch got a little bit easier to bat on uh, that he was able to score freely. the england scored got 120 runs in the last uh, in the last session um, but for for New Zealand um, it's it's the converse of that it's try and get Ben Stokes early in the hope that the rest of the lower order um, sort of collapses as a result.
1: I think from New Zealand's perspective... And hold their catches. Well, yeah, yeah. there was one catch yesterday that was kind of just above shoulder height for um, Ross Taylor, wasn't it? And I thought, oh, that's bad. Uh, and yet when you, you looked at that from the camera angle behind the slip cordon and you could see between them, as it, as it were, they were facing a kind of a a lump of of uh, of green mound, with crowds on the back and a kind of a dark, a dark factory or something beyond that, and and you, you could physically see how slow he was to get his hands up to raise the ball because it because there was literally you know I'm sure he completely lost it on on, on what was just a you know a, ter- a terrible uh, background that, to see and that was with the mm. second
2: new ball it was coming on a little bit quicker Stokes flashed at it off yeah. Trent Bolt he just hit two fours. Uh, in a row, and and it went through. I think the um, there was that very t- t- difficult chance off Joe Denley for Tom Latham at short leg. But uh, the really egregious one was the uh, the one off Rory Burns from uh, yeah. from Trent from Southie, in fact, uh, that went straight through first and second slip at waist height, and they just looked at each other as the ball um, went through. Uh, it's really unusual to see New Zealand be anything other than brilliant in the field.
1: True, very true. Now there there is one player we haven't mentioned yet from New Zealand. Um, and I think we need to because he was absolutely magnificent um, and he also has one of the best jingles that we have of course I don't <laughs> know if you've got him lined up there
2: well, well yeah let's uh, funny uh, you should say that says Knackle yeah no. let's, uh, <laughs> let's take a little trip down to Harare shall we at times of but I was gone I cannot see my own reflection
0: now my body's gone my face is gone
1: I have become Colin de Grandin.
2: It's a real treat to hear that all the way through. Well, <laughs> I was just, yeah. Not, yeah. Normally, you have to go oh, and then you, you don't hear the solo, the solo at the end <laughs> is lost t- in the. I was just yeah. thinking the exact same thing. Colin de Grandon uh, yeah. <laughs> he he rattles through his overs really quickly, and he can he has this ability because of the way he bowls very wicket to wicket uh, always just nibbling it off a length like a sort of um almost a darren stevens kind of, uh, sort of style mm, bowl. you think he'd mm. he would do very well in early season english conditions
1: i think uh, we should send him his jingle see what he says about it uh, we yeah, we yeah. we've, uh, yeah. we've had
2: positive reviews from the likes of so, Tyrone so Kane, so and so long as we don't suddenly get dinged by
1: pink floyd but <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but
2: i th- yeah he bowled he bowled beautifully and and his ability to rack up a few quick overs in a row you know suddenly he's bowled you know six overs at a run and a half and over
1: yeah i mean two for twenty eight and a you know an economy rate of under one point five mm. it is just phenomenal and um say he drew four shots out of the batsman but um he drew four shots out of the batsman and out of frustration because he had just been so tight. So niggling, bowling exactly the right way for the conditions, using his strength. And he's, a—he's you know, he's Harari's Darren Stevens in a way. He's a, <laughs> he's, a hes a bit of a dibbly-dobbler. But that, that son doesn't really quite do him justice, does no, it? Even no, Even though we know Darren Stevens is phenomenal. so
0: I mean, it was good that he, he was, you know, the one exercising control as well because Santner didn't have his best day with the ball either. And he's usually the one who tightens that screw for New Zealand when, when it's needed as well.
2: Yeah, he got um, targeted by Joe Denley, who played, in fairness, a couple of absolutely glorious mm. strokes. I mean, you were, you, Tony, you were saying it was ugly, and in periods it was, but he also played, um, certainly till Stokes came, and a few other shots of the day, uh, the cover drive to get off the mark, uh, a couple of really good pulls off Neil Wagner, I mean, one yeah. basically through mid-on, See you see how early Denley picks up the ball sometimes, and then a couple of really sort of technically subtle um hits over the top off Mitchell Santner, one over the extra cover for four and one back over the bowler's head for six, where he just... Um, he sort of did this f- forward press and then slightly adjusted his feet movement, yeah. his feet, to get the foot leg side of the ball so the back could come through the line of the ball. It's one of these little subtle things that, you know, you you think you suddenly think, oh, J- Joe Denley is warming to test cricket a little bit.
1: Yeah, I was just, just thinking exactly that, actually, Knuckle, because it... it, it he, he, there is a bit of a feeling that he's sort of a temporary number three. But then there was a feeling that he was a temporary opener. And a temporary so, number so, four. Or a temp- so, what, so, so what is it? But what I do get the feeling with him, and, and as I say, that's why I was really quite disappointed that, you know, you went for 70, whatever it was, 74, 75, I can't remember exactly, but in his 70s, it, he looks like a player who is not curbing his natural attacking instincts, but balancing those instincts with real grit. And, and it, he looks like a man who wants to prove people wrong, who wants to go, I'm not a temporary anything. I'm here because I want to be batting for England, and I'm going to do whatever it takes to try and stay here. And he's, he's fighting for it. And, um, I, you know, I applaud that, and I like that mentality, and, and I like that grit in him, and I really, really hope that, that either here or in South Africa he gets his way past that first 100, because I have a feeling if he does it once, um, it
2: won't be the last time. No. Um, you know, and, good, and good luck it, to him. It, it could be a productive few years. And you know, while there is the feeling of him sort of being a placeholder for, for someone, while someone. while whoever that someone is, whether it's Zach Crawley or, or whoever else it might be, you know, the place is his for now, and it is probably his to lose for now. And he's not letting them down particularly. Um, sort of, I made the joke repeatedly on air yesterday, he's done all right to the Joe Denley story. Yes. Uh, but <laughs> yes. we you know, kind of, through Denley, we kind of got sidetracked by uh, off talking about how good Colin de Grondom yes. was. After a, a rather not expensive but ineffective opening spell from, curiously so, from Bolton in particular, uh, Southie, um Burns and Sibley were looking quite uh, solid for a little while. But um, de Grondom adjusted his line to Dom Sibley, bowled pretty much exclusively on off stump. Uh, uh, made sure that Sibley couldn't score through the offside. He didn't score a single run of his 22 uh, through the offside. Uh, um, Made it impossible uh, at his pace at that line for Sibley to work the ball Mm. uh, to leg. And by pitching the ball up, made it difficult for Sibley to punch through mid-wicket as he had been doing. And eventually, um, just that one moved a little bit more and he took the edge. And then for Rory Burns, kind of similar, really. Um, A little bit of movement, just that little bit fuller. Uh, Burns will be very disappointed with the shot he played or the sort of prod he played at a ball that wasn't going to hit the stumps. But um, sometimes you get rewards for really accurate bowling. Mm.
0: I think in general, I I got the sense that both sides were kind of feeling their way into the game because I, I don't know how often the New Zealand Individual team members have played at that ground because it's, it's making its test
1: debut. Right.
2: <laughs> well, I mean, for some, for some, a lot it's Kane Williamson's home ground, it's one of the main grounds of Northern mm. District, who quite a lot of this New Zealand team no, play N- for. Neil Wagner certainly and, yeah. took and a five for there uh, recently. Bolton Southie have both played quite a lot of their cricket, certainly in younger yeah, okay. years. But I, I, I do get the impression that this pit, the slowness mm. of this pitch, caught them by surprise because, yeah. um, I mean, Tony and I did a podcast with Ian O'Brien before the start of the series, and he was saying that the Bay Oval was a pretty good batting wicket just mm. a, a good sort of all-round test wicket maybe it'll quicken up but we don't mm.
0: know yeah also you know you've had five games already so you're mid tour it's not that you know first feverish engagement of a of a tour you know they they've they've seen a lot of each other for the past few couple of weeks already
1: i think when we were on commentary i can't remember who who was i was with might have been hendo actually we likened it, or somebody likened it, it might have been me, that's how bad my memory is. But it it, <laughs> it was very it late. <laughs> to a, the early rounds of a boxing contest, which is pretty much what you're saying. It was sparring, jabbing, mm, <laughs> mm. not really yeah. going full out on, yeah. on, 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 on attack, feeling each other out in the early rounds. Um, yeah, I think it was a little, a little bit like that, but um, great made uh, it made
2: good viewing it just was different yeah, viewing. Yeah, let's absolutely. let's c- celebrate yeah. it for what uh, it was uh, there's a lot of different ways for test cricket to be good um, and there was there was enough in it for the bowlers it was possible to score quickly I have said this repeatedly and I think a number of us are of this mind the only bad test cricket wicket is a dead test cricket wicket yeah, I don't absolutely. think this yeah, yeah. while this pitch is slow it's certainly not dead uh, and when there's something in the pitch um, good cricketers will produce uh, good cricket Um we can't really talk too much more about it because, uh, as Tony mentioned, by the time you listen to this, day two uh, will have, have happened and we'll probably be soundly abed. Uh, perhaps wishing we, that... We, we could record two versions now. <laughs> we could record the, well, fantastic,
1: England 743. <laughs> who, who saw that coming? Or the... Crikey, two hundred and forty to two hundred and sixty-three all out. We did. It. Mm. Yeah, that yeah. wasn't very good. Was yeah. It? Yeah, we, there uh, you go. Take either of those two. We, we, we,
2: we'll be fine. Stuart Broad uh, <laughs> finally surpassing his highest test score of one hundred and sixty-nine. <laughs> 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 oh my God, Neil Wagner took six for uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Six for seven hundred and three. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but uh, we'll we'll leave England and New Zealand. Uh, Uh, for the time being because frankly we'll be doing a lot of it and uh, frankly we can't wait Uh, on uh, across the Tans Tasman Sea and up a bit uh, to quite a bit in fact uh, to the Wollongabba in Brisbane Uh, as as we said uh, Shah Massoud and Azhar Ali uh, had uh, really blunted the early uh, the early threat from Cummins Hazelwood and Stark at the Gabba Pakistan won the toss and elected to bat not particularly surprisingly a bit of a surprise that they left Muhammad Abbas out um a, a bowler who has ripped up record books. Uh, Muhammad Abbas has the best average of any bowler in the last forty years.
1: Well, I think surely the proof of the pudding on that is
2: when they bowl. <laughs> um, but they haven't done yet, have they? They haven't yet. They're, <laughs> they're, they're going to be going to be starting uh, that uh, that process uh, on at the start of uh, day two. But it's a uh, it, it means that they've got. Um, a very inexperienced seam attack. Uh, Imran Khan, who's yeah. back into the team after a number of years away, uh, but uh, did superbly in the warm-up game. Shaheen Shah, Shahriari is very exciting, but has not played the very many Test matches. And Nasim Shah, sixteen-year-old on on Test debut. And you leave out, as they say, uh, a bowler who uh, takes his wicket to eighteen in Test cricket.
1: Yeah, well, I think the uh, you know, whereas I said um, I would stack Bolton Southey up against Stark and Cummins. They probably wouldn't necessarily with the, 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 the Pakistan attack. Um, and so I think it might be quite hard. What what fascinated me more yesterday was that the wickets fell in clusters. You alluded to it in your, in your kind of introduction. So it seemed to me they got themselves in a good position and then calypso collapseo. Then they rebuilt and then calypso collapseo again. And it was two very distinct periods of, of collapse having done the building. Um, and I think they will be very disappointed about that. But it might also just offer them that little bit of encouragement that Australia are capable of doing the same thing, because we've seen it. So um,
2: all would not be lost for Pakistan no, yet, but I think mm. they'd be a little disappointed. No, which, uh, the, the attack doesn't have the experience of New Zealand's. It's certainly got some talent. But yeah, uh, uh, that period of losing three for four, and then they lost uh, uh, three for none uh, in, uh, in an over, in fact, losing and Asad Shafiq, all to, uh, all to Mitchell Stark. Yeah, I mean, I desperately, desperately don't want to subscribe to the hackneyed view
0: of, you know, unpredictable Pakistan, but they make it so fucking difficult, you know, leaving out their best bowler and, you know, doing, you know, we were watching bits in between, in breaks um, on the TV last night, and, and, you know, they looked good. They were blunting what is the best pace attack in the world, even minus Pattinson, you know, Cummins had a stellar year, and they were making, being made to look you know, fast, but unthreatening and then of course you know as tony said calypso collapse I and mean, it all goes wrong i mean yeah I, I i really 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 want pakistan to be good and i i hope that they bowl well uh, and that 240s made uh, seem more valuable than it is currently
1: yeah, there's a, a lack of converting wasn't there i mean you know you mentioned uh, asad shafiq he got himself to 70 something he did a bit of a joe denley although he just ran out of partners didn't he that was his problem <laughs> yeah
2: asad shafiq really holding it together um, a very good player perhaps batting a position higher than people might have thought with Barbara Azam's uh, 100 Asa Shafiq's done most of his best work at, at number six but up at number four uh, scored 76 uh, um, was very good in Australia uh, last time for Pakistan almost got them to a, uh, to a chase of 460 odd I think it mm-hmm. was um, uh, last time a thrilling uh, thrilling test match that was just finished in a late burst from uh, from Mitchell Stark. there was always a, there was also a little bit of controversy in that game with uh, Mohammad Rizwan, who'd put on uh, a better than runnable 37 in combination with Asad Shafiq, uh, being caught behind off what looked to the naked eye like a no ball from uh, from Pat Cummins, but um, the it was a razor sharp it was a, it was a <laughs> uh, sort of razor VAR like sort of inconclusive. Uh, decision for a, a no ball calls are not normally that difficult, but there was uh, it wasn't given. The no ball wasn't picked up initially, uh, but uh, and Cummins is maybe there was a little bit of heel behind the line. Maybe probably not. I have to say, having looked at it, um, uh, I probably on a no ball on the on the balance of things. But how obviously that's going to um, take some of the headlines um, because it's uh, because it's such a close thing and such a a thing that takes so long to work out, but how much that can be, whether that should be the defining narrative when you've had periods of losing four for three and three for none in the course of an innings, is it's another matter. Well, I think you, know, you looked at it two ways. If you're looking at it from Pakistan's
1: perspective, you had five batsmen who got very good starts and weren't able to go on. Twenty percent of that five had uh, put a three-figure score on the on the board. Um, they'd be looking at. Three fifty to four hundred, and um, it would be a very different looking game for them. Yeah, equally also, also disappointing yeah. from that perspective. If you're Australia, you will be commending what is a fantastic attack on their ability to. Um, get wickets at vital times. Well, that's the thing,
0: you know, um, yeah, again, another international cliche here is that Australia don't give up, and they don't. You know, they are relentless in their relentlessness. Unless you're David Warner facing Stuart
2: Broad. Yes, in which in case, which case you, you do sort you, of give yes, up.
0: Yes, <laughs> you're, you're like an ice cream in a, in a bushfire. Well,
2: he, he, oof. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oof. Uh, David Warner didn't have time to give up against Stuart Broad in the Ashes. I think that was more the problem. Um, but we talked about the pace attack. Nathan Lyon took a wicket with his very first ball. Uh, so he comes into the attack And there's just no No giveaway And perhaps were, That's where this uh, Australia attack is Ahead of others Around the world um, With the possible exception Of India Because of the depth of uh, Talent we will come on to India in a second But um, you know Nathan Lyon is a genuinely World class spinner Where Mitchell Santner, A redoubtable cricketer As he is Is not I shall be looking forward To talking about him Playing for Hampshire Yeah that's a very It's <laughs> sh- a very good signing One would think For oh, yeah. uh, for Hampshire But um, Division One batters, watch out! Having to face Simon Harmer and Nathan Lyon uh, over the course of uh, of a season, um, uh, if it's a dry summer next year. Oh yeah, very mm, much. So. Those two could be at the top of the uh, of the uh, wicket taking uh, chart. But uh, yeah, Pakistan uh, will look to their n- uh, newest uh, iteration of their new exciting pace attack, uh, plus Yasir Shah, who had an absolute mare last time he was in Australia. But will uh, have to uh, hold up an end and do a hell of a lot of work if. Uh, Uh, over the course of this series uh, they will try and keep Australia in check and in particular Steve Smith good luck Uh, and uh, finally uh, for this uh, edition of the Guerrilla Cricket Podcast uh, it's taken a long time the last day night the first day night test was uh, a little while ago but uh, India uh, as always uh, a little bit conservative as always a little bit late to the party uh, have uh, finally deigned uh, to turn up they will be playing their first ever day night test the first ever uh, on the Indian subcontinent in uh, Calcutta against Bangladesh uh, in uh, uh, just under Col- 12 hours in, in Calcutta. Kolkata, right? Yes, famous Eden Gardens, uh, a, a glorious ground. It should be uh, an absolutely uh, fantastic uh, occasion. Whether it'll be a fantastic match remains to be seen because even without the pink ball, even without the assistance of the floodlights, uh, India's pace attack has gone from strength to strength in the last uh, few years and absolutely destroyed Bangladesh in Indore.
1: Oh, sorry. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. The, the the only problem here is in Test cricket. I mean, you know, Bangladesh. What was the the T20s were? One of them went Bangladesh's way, didn't they? The other two went India's way. Mm-hmm. The first Test went comprehensively by an innings and plenty, India's way. Um, and if it's a mismatched, you know, contest, then. Changing the conditions of the contest are not necessarily going to change the result. So, um, what it might be interesting is to see: do subcontinental conditions make a day-night test substantially different to playing in, mm. say, one in Australia or playing one in in, in England? Because I know day-night matches in England, there are certain periods, the twilight period, the kind of the early evening when the ball just suddenly starts moving a lot more. Is it going to do that as appreciably? Um, in very different conditions, and I, I think that will be very interesting to watch. But but will it fundamentally? Is it going to suddenly swing things massively Bangladesh's his way in a in a heavyweight versus middleweight contest? I'm not sure it will.
2: No, I mean there, there are a number of open questions. I mean that is 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 certainly one. You know the sun sets a lot faster in the subcontinent than it does during an English summer. Maybe that twilight period won't be quite as long. You'll have that more of a switch from. Uh, from day to night, um, the, will the dew be a factor um, as we're getting into the uh, sort of late autumn, early winter period in India? Will that, uh, will that cause issues? Will it be harder for spinners to get ball? Will India maybe consider going in with just the one spinner? I mean, they've got the fast bowling back up to be able to do it um, now.
1: Well and as you pointed out it was quite interestingly their fast bowlers who did more of the damage it took 14 of the 20 is, yeah, wickets yeah, which to is fall. unusual mm. in um, in India isn't it
2: Yeah n- not not in recent times but certainly with the with, you know, with the emergence of um, Bumrah and the uh, the kind of coming to full fruition of Umesh Yadav and Shami and Nishant. you know over the, look over India's recent let's say recent last sort of seven years or so since they've since they last lost a uh, a test series at home um, and certainly over the last few years it's been pretty much even in terms of how many wickets the seamers and the spinners uh, have taken um, and it's meant that India have gone from an already strong team at home to a sort of an unprecedentedly strong team at home as I say they've won, they've lost India have always been strong at home but it kind of, I, was, I only became aware of it really was looking at the numbers after the South Africa series they've lost one home test in seven years um, pretty much no yeah. team in history has ever done that
0: Well, it would be a good Uh, time. Except New Zealand.
1: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's not seven years. No, their record is since 2017, isn't it? it? But they've certainly been phenomenal. Was it one test in 14 they've lost, I think? Yeah. Haven't Uh, lost a series uh, since 2017. Unbeaten unbeaten in the last six series.
2: India, I think, on a run of 11 home series in a row with a uh, winning test home series Mm. in a
0: row. I mean, you know, given their dominance at home, it might be a good idea to experiment and, you know, Add add a bit of spice in. Put put some people under pressure. Say, right, you know, we are only going with one spinner, Paceman. You've got to carry the can. Go out there and do it.
1: it I, what I, I mean, you know these things better than me, Nako. How well supported was the first test in terms of full stadium?
2: Well, this is part of a narrative around it. There's this almost fo- this is slightly false narrative that's been bought into by some quite senior people in Indian cricket in broadcasting and in uh in the administration that you know test cricket is dying in india it's not really the case i mean the the crowds were very good in indore the ground was about 75% full for most of the test match um the conditions that um i was going to say the conditions the condition but the conditions that affect attendances in india are obviously pricing but um more a case of you know where is the ground is it in the city uh, is it way out of town? Uh, what's the roof, situ- what's the shade situation yeah. like? There was that test match in Pune, uh, a couple of test matches in Pune where we've seen the ground mostly empty. It's because three quarters of it doesn't have a roof.
1: But you're this is the. F- am I right in saying this is the first day-night it's test? It's the first day-night yeah. test, yeah. So, and, so, so um, is there, a, to a certain extent, a feeling that, well, that's tried against Bangladesh because we don't want to be doing it against Australia,
2: England, or or, or somebody else? Uh, there might be a little bit of that because I think India did turn down the... Uh, the pos- prospect of mm. having a day-night test match uh, when they were last in Australia, and I mean, it would have been a fantastic prospect with with those two attacks going up against each other. um But it's it's just it's one of those things where it's an idea whose time has come. You know, there's Virat Kohli, I think, has been uh trying to put pressure on behind the scenes for this to happen. Sourav Ganguly, who's taken over as BCCI president, uh, has seen an opportunity, I think, to. Um, to leave an early legacy, you know, it's, it's his hometown. He is uh, he is still uh, a sort of a minor deity in in Calcutta after all these years, um, having sort of uh, having so dominated uh, cricket in the, in that part of the world in the popular imagination. Uh, and so this is kind of there's a bit of legacy building going on there, and maybe a little bit also that you know it's a it's a home series. It's one that India are expected to win, and um, but all the conditions have sort of aligned. But yeah one will certainly hope for big crowds in the evening session full stadia um not that the stadia it's not that the stadia aren't full it's that they could be fuller and it's um, the subcontinent is i think a part of the world where day night test cricket makes the most yeah. sense
1: well I think just taking the conversation if I may just just beyond India, I think it's in the game's interest to find the, the magical combination of conditions timing and um, ball behavior <laughs> that that uh, that 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 enables day night tests to be a success because i think that will help um i think you know i just know from watching football is watching a game under lights has a different feel it has a different atmosphere um and it's quite palpable and 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 and, and i i think actually 80. watching t20 is the same. It, I think it's it does the same. It add an extra atmosphere. sort of dramatic edge yeah, to things. It, it does, and I and I, I think that and the very practical thing that it means that if you're playing a game that's five days long um, during a working week, it's going to be more of a challenge <laughs> to fill those stadiums. It's in the game's interests for day-night test cricket to work, um, whether the pink ball and the and the and the uh, you know the ability to sort of not neutralise the conditions, but to mitigate the fact that the conditions are different. If we can somehow get beyond that and find the magical combination, I think it will be generally good for the game of test cricket for it to work. So I believe we should keep experimenting, and I'm 100% behind doing it.
2: Absolutely. I mean, we've seen, they've been uh, certainly some kind of success in Australia. I mean, Australia have now put into their calendar that they're going to, in every home summer, they're going to play at least one uh, pink ball day-night test match. It didn't really work in England, but I think England, English English summers don't really need day-night Test cricket.
0: No, I mean it, it is good to see at a time when uh, viewing and participation levels are down all around the world, and you know anything you mm. can do to put, uh, you know, put it more in the in, in the popular conscience is uh, is a good idea.
2: Yeah, I mean, again, I. I have a little bit of skepticism about this this idea that you know viewership and interest in cricket and Test cricket is down um, in in India. It just doesn't. It's one of those, it's one of those things that seems to be said without anyone really bothering to check. You know the the figures seem good and mm. look. I mean the other reason that, frankly, as well as um, um, a little bit more um, more sensible ticketing policies and more mm, friendly yeah, spectator yeah. experiences that have come in, in the last bit little. Uh, in the last few years in in India uh, for all of the BC and for all of the BCCI's ills you know they have taken test cricket uh, to more and more places around the country that really want to see top level cricket and really want to see top level test cricket we've seen uh, I think six or seven new centers uh, have their and host their first test matches in the last few years and I think with the exception of Pune for the problems I mentioned earlier um, pretty much all of them have had good crowds frankly the other reason people are watching test cricket and Either watching it on TV or going to the grounds, or interested in some ways, because India are winning, <laughs> and that that of course is going to boost interest. Yeah, I, um,
1: kind of, again, the challenge the game faces is, you, you know, if I think of it from England's perspective, you know, there's three different types of circumstance. Really, there's test matches at home, conditions in your favour. There's test matches on um, bouncy, hard South Africa stroke Australia conditions and there's test matches in subcontinental conditions and they're three very different because of the atmospherics and the and the and the and the, and the, the ground and whatever makes the grounds what they are oh i don't mean the stadia i mean the literally the soil the, and the so the... yeah, yeah yeah um and that's something and in, that should be play lost india played that to their strengths uh, so it does make india something of a fortress and it is quite it's very hard to win there
2: you know, when we were looking, it was at hard to win there before they had a pace <laughs> attack. Now that they've got one,
1: absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. So um, even you know, you, I suppose if you're a Manchester City fan, you never get bored of seeing them win, for example. But by and large, you, you, it, it's better to win games where at least you know the opposition's in the contest. So uh, whatever can be done to ensure that you know, y- yeah, you have that even competition, and you find ways to make it more and more accessible is to be applauded and I think they haven't quite got it 100% right yet I think with you know the combination of pink ball lights you know atmospheric conditions or whatever um, but I think those can be mitigated if a trial and error over time and it's the right direction to be moving in and like I said I stand 100% behind that I think it can only be good for the game.
2: Yeah I wouldn't disagree with that at all um, I'm all for it and actually really quite excited to probably not see too much of it because of the uh, uh, the timing that involves you know coming off a night shift and then watching a day of test cricket yeah. is uh, an appealing prospect but probably not an advisable one uh, but we'll be uh, certainly um, looking at the reports from that game and uh, following what I can uh, with interest uh, but uh, three test matches on the same day in uh, uh, it's uh, it's a glorious time to be a cricket fan and so much other cricket going on around the world and so much uh, more to come uh, much of which you can follow here on Gorilla Cricket uh, uh, whether uh, on com or on uh, YouTube or on Facebook Live but uh, uh, for uh, this week's podcast uh, that's about it uh, from us, uh, thank you to Tony Bishop and to Tim Part uh, great pleasure thank you to pr- producer John for all your hard work as ever Remember, you can get this podcast before anyone else by becoming a patron at patreon.com forward slash guerrilla cricket. sign up at any uh, donation level. Uh, and uh, if uh, you are feeling uh, a little bit uh, of a cheapskate or you're saving money for uh, <laughs> Christmas, uh, or whatever it might be, uh, you can get the podcast on iTunes, Acast, Spotify, or Podbean. Please, uh, particularly if you're listening on iTunes, uh, give us a uh, five-star rating, leave us a review, and uh, please, whatever you're... Uh, uh, podcast you're listening on podcast platform you're listening on uh share the podcast uh with your friends uh, we'll be back uh next week uh and uh, we'll be back very very shortly indeed for uh, uh day two uh, from uh, mount manganui uh but until you uh, hear us again wherever that might be goodbye <laughs>
1: Podcast Network.